Fantano. <laughs> Ron, are you okay? The man put it back, sir. <laughs> Calm down. Breathe, Ron. Breathe. The man from the motorcycle. What did the bad man do? Ron? The motorcycle on the bridge. I hit him with a burrito. Ron. He took him. He took him with his foot and he kicked him. That's what he did. Someone punted him? No, wait. Wait, let me say something. Let me say something. <laughs> what? <laughs> I, I don't under, I didn't understand a one word you said. Ron, ah. are you okay? Ron. <laughs> All right, welcome back to another week of Muskies on Tap. I'm your host, Gus Manti, and right now I'm sitting right next to one of the other co-hosts, Max Manti. He's uh, he's up north right now, and the fishing has been very, very good. I'll just kind of dive right into that right away. It's uh, the bite's been hot. I mean, we've been catching good good amounts of fish, but we've also been losing high numbers, and that's going to be a talking point tonight. Um, we're going to have a few other quick hitters on what we've been seeing, probably what to expect. There's going to be some warm weather coming up, and then we're going to polish off with some Q and A. So before we get going a little bit further. I will introduce the other co-host tonight, Max Manti, who's sitting right next to me. How are you doing tonight, Max? Uh, I'm doing all right. A little down bad, but uh, glad to be back up in the North Woods. I'll explain, I guess, a little later maybe why I'm down bad, but has something to do with missing a few fish today, a few big bites this weekend, which uh, is always tough. So that'll be one of our talking points this uh, this podcast but other than that, uh, yeah, doing well tonight. Excited to be here. Excited to talk to Brian. Uh, just a little sidebar here on the golf side of things. His man crush, Rory McIlroy, once again comes up short at the British Open. <clears throat> Excuse me, the Open uh, this past weekend. Would love to hear his thoughts on that real quick. But uh, I'm going to kick it over to him right now. Brian, good to see your face. Uh, I know that you are battling a current moving situation right now. And, uh, you know, in, uh, Brian, typical Brian fashion, the planning might not have been completely flushed out. Uh, so it sounds like you were able to buy some time. You had a good weekend down in green Bay, but give me, uh, give me your thoughts right now on, uh, the Rory McIlroy situation and how you're doing. Uh, what's going on guys. I'm doing Pretty damn good tonight. Uh, on the musky fishing front, I uh, didn't really fish this weekend. I did get out on a kayak on the Fox River on Saturday and pitched a little number five meps around. And uh, the water clarity out there is about three inches. It's pea soup and uh, didn't see a thing. So that's that on my front this weekend. But uh, nice. in terms of the golf, a, another underwhelming week on the greens for Rory. Uh, it's hard to watch anymore. Just do. I mean, I think I have less confidence in him when he stands over a 10 footer and uh, yeah, I mean, pretty, pretty boring tournament, probably the worst major of the year. Thanks to B Harmy. Uh, <laughs> guy was lights out 
<laughs> he had an out-of-body experience this week, and, uh, you know, he held on to the lead. It takes some guts, some stones, and he got it done. So uh, tip of the cap to him, but, man, did that suck to watch. <laughs> All right, well, let's get back into the musky talk. I guess before <laughs> that, uh, being muskies on tap, we've been kind of lackluster lately on uh, mm. bulging on what we've been drinking. Uh, Papa Manti, Gus and I's dad, mixed up his world-famous watermelon jalapeno margs tonight. Got a few of those in the system, so things are going to be free-flowing for Gus and I tonight. Um, polishing up with a, a nice amber beer. Uh, Brian, you drinking anything tonight? I uh, I had a couple over dinner tonight. Went down to the local tavern and had me a uh, Kona Blue Wave or Big Wave, Big Wave, and a uh, uh, Spotted Cow. So uh, those those wow. are tasty. Gus, what are you sipping on over there? I got a Mexican Honey Light Lager. Our buddy Parker, I think, bought these for the Musky Bender weekend, and there's a few left over. And I'm actually kind of enjoying it. Um, it's got a good. You little... sound shocked, Gus. Why are you shocked? Um, <laughs> I don't know. You know, sometimes like honey would throw me off, and you don't really taste that. It's pretty much just like any light lager, with uh, maybe an additional flavor. I don't know. I'm horrible at this taste test. Now is that an, is that an import? <laughs> <laughs> all right brad <laughs> well keep it. it's uh indeed brewing company if anybody knows okay i don't know brian it's product of the usa what do you think about that mm. yeah not an import then i don't think <laughs> no i don't believe i can see on here at all but no solid solid brew will recommend so, yeah, tonight I think we're just going to riff over a few different topics. Uh, like Gus said, we do have some good Q&A that came in this week, so we'll touch on those. figure those always go a little bit longer than we typically think that they will. Um, but I think the main objectives, chat about here, this uh, this podcast, it'll be a little bit different. We got a few guests hopefully coming here in the near future. Um, in the meantime, you're just stuck with us three, so apologies to all of you. But the main topics tonight are going to be – the, the conversation around losing big fish, how to deal with it, the, you know, kind of ups and downs of musky fishing. Second, we'll be kind of talking about patterning. Uh, as Gus um, kind of alluded to, the bite has been really good. But at the same time, it's been a little bit tricky. Uh, each day, it feels like it, it shifts a little bit one way or another. So we're going to kind of touch on you know, at least get Gus's opinion um, from the guide point of view on, you know, how long is too long to stick by a pattern that was working the previous day and then kind of shuts down the next day and how to figure out what the fish want to actually eat on that given day. Um, and then the the last topic we're probably going to touch on a little bit is um, I think moon phases. Moon phases have been very crucial this year. Uh, as far as the bite windows go, um, we were talking a lot about just moon in general on the boat today. Uh, Gus and I were able to get out and fish with uh, Clayton Spies, who was a guest um, on a previous episode, and our other buddy Nick Amros uh, out of Eagle River as well. So we had we were running four deep in the boat today. Uh, it was a lot of fun. We moved a lot of big fish, and uh, uh, your boy, yours truly, had uh, a few heartbreakers. So... We'll get into all that, but I want to start out with the big fish, I guess I should say losing the big fish conversation. 
it's all happened to us uh before <laughs> I, I guess I'll, I'll ask you Brian you know if if you're out and, and obviously the goal anytime you go out to musky fish is to just to catch a musky right but you know the ultimate goal is to continue to improve on your personal best or whatever a guy that just bagged a very large fish last week and I'm sure you're still riding the high um I know you're kind of peacocking around lately especially on the pod and in the group text and whatnot but you've had your fair share of heartbreaks you know what what are what are your typical reactions after you lose a big fish how do you deal with it you know what goes through your head that's a good question um I didn't know we were gonna do a therapy session today but uh I'll try my best to give some advice here on this front I need one um I I did I've lost a few big fish um two of them are still picture perfect in my mind one of them was like two years ago or three years ago um and it was later in the day on Sunday and uh you know kind of kind of checked out mentally for the weekend had already caught two good fish that weekend and uh just you know making mindless casts up on the shore and uh I might have brought my bait in i think i was using a white swimming dog i might have brought it you know about five feet out from the boat and kind of did the old pull it out of the water situation and uh there was a big old fat blimp behind it (laughs) and uh who knows how big it was i mean at the time it was the biggest fish i'd ever seen um so i don't know i'm gonna guess around that four footer mark but like for me coping with that one i was just more like I was so clocked out that like, I felt like I didn't even deserve to catch that. And then I still have the picture of the fish in my mind. So it's clearly left its mark on me, but uh, yeah, I guess in that case, uh, let's leave the baits in the water until you at least do one figure eight. And uh, we should say that that wasn't a fish that was just going to follow. It did attempt to almost literally come out of the water to eat a swimming dog two feet in the air. No, that did not happen. Um, that fish had nothing. Yes, didn't yes, want it anything did. to do with my bait. <laughs> um, I was standing right there. That was a big <laughs> fish. Yeah, so I mean, it happens, everybody. You just got to stick to your fundamentals. Even when the going gets tough, they're going to come out of nowhere. And my next example of that was last year. Um, I think this was an opener, if I remember right. But... uh we were on a local lake and uh, all we caught all day was like 40 pike. All the little 17 inch pike missiles were going crazy and uh, didn't see a single muskie for I don't know how long, 20 hours. And uh, <laughs> I, I decided to decided to grab out like a walleye rod and I threw on a um, was like a single blade number six or something muskie killer um so, yeah must i think it was um what like musky killer number five maps yeah and uh black and orange looked great and i was like you know what i'm just gonna have some fun with these pike because the musky thing feels far-fetched at this point and uh yeah just trying to feel some yeah, just, just trying to lift the spirits trying to stay engaged and uh what happened then probably 20 minutes after i grabbed this rod is i'm bomb a cast out and i'm reeling it in really fast because i don't feel the blade spinning and i like i'm trying to get them to spin they won't so i'm kind of zipping it in and i pull it kind of in like an l shape and then pick it up out of the water next to the boat and this giant musky 
turns and goes starts swimming straight away from the boat and we just saw the side the whole side of the fish and uh it looked like it was a foot tall it was a giant and it followed straight in on a kinked out bucktail so <laughs> that one was tough to see it got the heart going for sure i don't know if i would have even been able to land that fish on the medium light rod uh that would have been a, a great story in itself but another one where you know, even if you have a clump of weeds or your bait's not working, just finish the cast, finish the figure eight, because you never know what a stupid muskie's thinking looking at that thing. Yeah, I know the the clump of weed things is hard to get behind. And I think it's something that's hard to get through some people's minds, you know, especially people that are new into muskie fishing. I know even just today, I don't want to like, you know, talk too much about your fish, uh, just the fish that Max had up today, not not any ones that hit. They could have hit. We were ripping through weeds, but they're falling the baits hard with weeds on the baits. So it's always good to just just figure eight every single time. Um, it's always good to form good habits, really. I know you're talking about um, when you kind of just get down bad, and that's usually when something bad happens because you start doing lackluster figure eights, and that's just where it gets really tough. And it's that's where you get the – go back to the fundamentals and get the good figure eights going, but I'm going to switch the mic over to max and see what well, kind of really ask on how he deals with, you know, losing fish. Cause it's been all too recent, unfortunately for uh well, kind of both of us really the boat has been going through uh difficult times. The bite has been great. I boating. Some of the large fish has just been <laughs> quite difficult. So how do you get through that max? Yeah. Yeah. Recency, uh, is, is very true on this one. Um, like I was saying before, Gus and I got out with, um, Clay, Clay and Nick today and, uh, yeah, big fish were on the move. Um, finally moved that, that mega giant today, which was a lot of fun to see, um, followed in a regular size Medusa and just, yeah, God, that got me shaking. Seeing a fish of that size, you know, I don't, I can't, don't want to put a number on it, but definitely the biggest fish I've seen this year. And that was fairly early on in the day. And, um, I was the only one at the time throwing kind of the, the more Magnum size rubber baits, you know, granted this was just a regular Medusa, but ended up throwing a mag dog and I'll get into that. But, um, yeah, that was a, that was a pretty cool fish to move. Uh, we went back on it later on during the day, uh, during the major and wasn't able to, weren't able to find it again. Uh, but yes, today, uh, was a very, very tough day. I had three bites on rubber. All three uh, were able to shake off, including the one at the end of the day with about 10 minutes before we were going to take out uh, way out in the cast, made a bomb cast with a mag dog and was popping it very quickly through the weeds. And uh, that, that very familiar feeling of when your bait just stops, you feel like you pretty much got snagged onto a, a log or something. And, you know, you're out in 10, 12 feet of water, no logs and your baits three, four feet down and, uh, felt the weight knew it was of just a very, very good fish, uh, felt a few head shakes and it popped off and it's tough because you're out there just trying to enjoy yourself. And then, you know, <laughs> that happens and you have, we had to take out, you know, we had to get back and you're just like leaving the boat launch, boat launch feeling nauseous. Um, but you know, it's something that everybody goes through in, in their musky career. And, uh, it's just, it's part of the game. So there's really no words of wisdom more so than just 
you know, hey, I'm here for you. You know, I'm here for you. <laughs> hey, it gets better. <laughs> it gets better. You know, the 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 losses, the big losses make the ones that you actually can get to hit the bag that much sweeter. And I think it makes makes like those big fish that you're able to actually catch like that much more rewarding because I think when you're when you're losing big fish, you realize just how much more difficult they are to to catch. Like at least in this northern Wisconsin, you know, area, it's you don't come across upper forties like you do in in Minnesota and Canada and, and other parts of the United States. You know, and for whatever reason, we really cherish those you know opportunities to catch those big fish so when you lose them it's it stings a lot because you just don't know exactly when that next opportunity is going to come around so I think I guess my answer parlays a little bit off of Brian's it's like you just got to always stay ready because you really just never know um but yeah it like Gus said it's been a tough you know about 10 day stretch with losing some big fish you know granted we've had big fish hit the net and maybe that's just the odds right you know you've say you hook five big fish, maybe you only net one or two of them. So as I've said on the Instagram thing, like hashtag, that's just the way she goes. Cause it's truly just the way she goes. You know, I know Gus has had a few guide trips lately and they've been able to put some muskies in the boat, but he's also had clients lose fish. So I guess I'd like to hear from Gus now because I, I, I want to add them. one, oh, yeah. Go one, ahead. one Go quick ahead. thing here that I forgot yeah. to add. Cause I think I lost a pretty big fish last Sunday. Um, I'm sure most of you listeners already do this, but triple check if your hooks are sharp because I <laughs> threw on a new bait, casted it out, and, I mean, you couldn't have pierced your own skin if you tried to hammer it into you. Uh, this thing was super dull, so oh, dude, I lost that's... that fish. Yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, it's a great point about being, like, meticulous on the things you're doing. You know, I'm talking about how you only get so many opportunities, especially in northern Wisconsin, at these big fish, and it's like, you, you have to be, you have to prepare, you know, whether it's in your retrieve or in your setup, whether you're checking your line, your leaders, you know, your hooks, making sure they're sharp, like everything has to be ready for when that, that actual moment happens. Now you're talking about how, you know, you had doll hooks because you changed baits and we were out just kind of having fun fishing fast and furious. And, you know, you just, throw on a new lure, whatever, maybe this thing will work. And then all of a sudden, boom, you get hit by a big fish and it pops off and you're like, yeah, well shit, my hook was super dull. You know, today for me, it was at the end of the day and I started working the rubber a little bit differently. And I got a little bit lazy with kind of where my rod tip was and that fish, when it hit, you know, I was in a really bad position to set. If I would have been locked in, you know, and, and really been focusing on where you know, my tip, my rod tip was in relation to where the line was and where the relation to where my bait was, I most likely would have been able to get a much better set into that fish. But I was being, you know, I was tired. My back was hurting. My shoulder hurt. My wrist hurt. And now we've been fishing for multiple hours on end. And finally that pop comes. And of course it comes when I'm, you know, I just had popped it way up into the right. And all of a sudden my rod loads and it's just like, I'm, I, I don't even know how I can set this fish. So yeah, it's, uh, it's tough. And then like, you know, I was listening to Clay and Gus talk to me about, okay, you know, if, if you're fishing rubber, like you want to keep your, you know, rod, uh, I guess I'll let Gus talk about that, but they were giving me some good pointers and it's just like, man, it's true. Like you really do always have to be ready for when that potential fish hits because you know, those small details can kind of make or break if the fish gets off or 
whatever. Yeah, and the other thing you said about checking your leader and checking your line, making sure it's not frayed or anything, um, going off of that happened to our buddy Parker, and I feel like this is overlooked, and a lot of people just don't do this very often, but to check each of your eyelids on your rod, because if those get slightly chipped and there's like a little groove in it, I mean, any tension that gets on your line, it might cut right through it and you might lose it on a fish. So just going back to all the little things to check over just to prevent failure once you do hook into a giant. Yeah, no, that's a great point. Yeah, I remember that when we were fishing them the other night. I mean, it's it, the, the devil's in the details with musky fishing. I mean, you know, you hear those stories of people out there and they catch a 48, you know, inch musky on a, a bass whatever rod and 10 pound test but most of the time that that's not going to work out you know you got to have everything ready to go well i guess with all that said though i, I do want to uh, turn it over to gus now because he recently has had a few heartbreaks uh not only himself but a few with clients uh they have been able to boat some fish but i kind of want to hear from a guy who's on the water a lot more uh fishing a lot more kind of where, where his mental state is you know, when he's, he misses a big fish because when he's with clients, most of the time, you know, he's not fishing as, as much as when he, when he just fishes with us. So, you know, even though he's on the water a lot, you know, he's not actually getting that like bait. Uh, even when he fishes with clients, you know, you're maybe third in line, right. Or you're, 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 Oh, I was just going to say I'm third in line if they even want me to fish with them. And if I do, it's, I don't know a you're fraction. Passing, you're passing the rod off. Fraction yeah. of the time, and the rod's getting handed off, no matter what the client says. Yeah. You know, because <laughs> they're 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 paying me, and I'm not catching fish in front of clients. That's just kind of a guideline I started on my own right away, and I'm just gonna kind of stick behind that. So, well, yeah, I want to get your thoughts now because you did have your own heartbreak on Sunday, and you know you're a guy that's caught a lot of big fish in your life, and. I thought you played that fish out perfectly, but now looking back at the film, you know, and, and another thing too is filming yourself when you musky fish is, is kind of goofy as it feels like sometimes, man, can you learn a lot about different things you can do the next time around? So I'll turn it over to you, Gus. I am. So you guys just made a lot of incredibly good points on how to handle fish loss. A couple of really good pointers on just like, what to do in your meantime, make sure your line's good, blah, blah, blah. All that stuff is really good. And yeah, heartbreaks have been happening recently and I don't want to harp on those too often because I'm not just going to sit here like, okay, this day went out. Yep. Lost that fish. That sucked. Blah, blah, you know, that, um, I'd like to kind of dive in maybe to some fundamentals, um, maybe breaking down a few fish that have been lost by myself or clients and just kind of talk through some things that you guys, as an angler can just kind of better yourself and go forward with just hoping that you guys out there lose less fish as well. And hopefully that this helps. And like Max said, just looking at the game film of us fishing on the GoPros, that's been super helpful because I'll start right away with the heartbreak on Sunday of this past week. I mean, it was a, a good solid pretty much mid forties fish, uh, hit a bucktail way out in the cast, pretty much what everybody dreams of. You got a high percentage hookup bait. All you got to do is straight retrieve it. And a really big fish smashes it. So I went back through the film and I saw two key things that I really screwed up on. I thought I had a good set and I thought I played the fish, right? Looking back at the film, neither of those things even happened. 
I was, I wouldn't say screaming in the bucktail, but I was reeling it in pretty quick. And in the retrieve, I like to kind of pulse the bucktail quite a bit, or at least like with the rod tip or maybe like speed it up with the handle. And in this case, I did something dumb. And instead of just like pulsing it down really quick with the rod and keeping the rod pointed at the bait, I decided to kind of do like a half set to the side to kind of like pump the bucktail. So my rod tip's already out to the side in a horrible set position right after I gave that fish a triggering time to eat. So I pumped the bucktail to the right, and that's when the fish ate. So my rod was already in horrible position. I got a hook set that I thought was good, ended up not being good. So from there, that was kind of like, you know, point number one on something to kind of not do when bucktail fishing, or really most of the lures that you use is to never, yeah, any rubber or anything, just not having your rod tip out to your side or up and, you know, giving yourself zero space to pretty much set the hook uh max got one point point quick well real quick what what is a good setting position because we've been talking about that a lot so in your words what would that be um my words i would just say as long as that rod tip is pointed in the direction of where the bait is you always have all the space in the world to go all the way up with it all the way to the side with it if you're a side setter you know, up into the corner, depending on if you're life lefty or righty, you know, I'm not going to say sides. Cause you know, you might be a lefty or righty or something like that, but yeah, that's what I would say is just kind of keeping it pointed right at it. Because if you're, I mean, even just like your body position too, I was kind of talking through that a little bit with a client recently is they were kind of asking me, like, how can I set up my body for the figure eight? And I'm like, well, it's always good to kind of have it set up for setting the hook too in the cast, you know, and not being like too square. You kind of almost want to line up because you have your strong side and your weak side. So if you're reeling with your right hand, holding the rod with your left, which is I think the primary of what most people do is that if you set the hook to your left, which would be away from your body, you got no hook setting power. You want to be setting to your right. So you almost want to like prepare your hips. I don't know. I guess you could say get, maybe your left foot forward a little bit to kind of prepare any sort of hook set to your right. I don't know. I I think, I think that's probably two key things to kind of work on is just like making sure that your body's set so that you can have like a good hook set always to your strong side and use your hips, not just your arms, but almost just drive it with your hips as well. I mean, that's an important thing for every sport, like the ones that, you know, we've played like golf and hockey hips is, everything on power so that's that's how you really get the power on the hook set you just because you have an x heavy nine foot rod and a high speed gear reel doesn't mean you're going to get the strongest hook set you know but uh anyways back to that one lost fish on the second part of the fundamentals when i said all right bad hook set from the start went to go play the fish out and i kind of could tell it was a big fish it was swimming at me the whole time, which is what big fish like to do once you set the hook, which is always a bummer and really hard to, you know, reel up on them. I started to walk the fish, which is something that I do like to do on very large fish, just because they can kind of dog you and take you where they want, which is something you kind of want to do because you cannot force those big fish around too much. You will bend out hooks, you'll lock drags, all that nasty stuff. And, and all I did is, is actually just get 
too far ahead of the fish where my rod tip and everything, I was moving around the trolling motor and I was already pointed, you know, basically pulling the bait out of the fish's mouth. And that's exactly what happened. It ended up just shaking its head and bait came flying out. I mean, the whole bucktail was inhaled into its mouth and it spit it out like a dog chew toy. So that is where I probably should have been horsing it back to the left or at least getting some rod pressure, not in the direction of where that fish's mouth was facing. And that's something I saw immediately watching the film, looking back that I was just walking that fish way too fast up to the front, following it along way too quickly. And that is something that I will definitely work on and try and coach people through and, you know, everything to just kind of hope for way less fish losses and, and, and better, better playing of the fish boat side. Cause that can be really difficult. And I think that's actually where the majority of fish kind of have been lost. I mean, there's a few that have been getting smashed by rubber out in the cast and that's, you know, kind of just goes back to rod positioning and preparing for a hook set at any moment, which is tough after hour six, you know, of something like that through a day. But another one too, is if you, you hook a fish out in the cast and you're reeling it in and, and keeping good tension and all that stuff. But as soon as it starts getting to the boat, big or small fish, if you got that rod tip, you know, above your waist and higher, there's a good shot that that fish is going right to the surface and either jumping or thrashing on the surface. And if you have too much tension there, it's already bad that it's going to be jumping. Like with the rod tip high, you're going to just pull the hooks right out of it, right out of its mouth. It's going to be shaking and twirling so much that it's going to create just so much torque that it's inevitably going to pull the hooks out. And that is um, pretty much the biggest way on how fish have been lost as when they are coming to the boat for all the ones that have been eating well out in the cast, which those have been heartbreaks. But other than that, I don't know what else to really talk about there other than just, I hope you can use these fundamental tricks to not have the heartbreaks at all uh, that's i think that i think that's all i got there yeah no i think that's all those are all really good uh good advice i think all around um and hopefully you know implement some of those tips gus has talked about next time you hook into your you know hopeful pb just want to quickly transition here to kind of keep things moving along and want to talk about patterning because um i think at this point in time of the year uh you know fish are setting up in pretty predictable spots so you have a good feel every time you go on the lake on probably where those fish are. Um, you know, maybe we can get a little bit into that, but you know where the fish are, but now the second piece of the equation comes up is what, what do they want to eat and when, <laughs> and, and those are two pretty big questions to try to figure out. Right. And, and so we, we were talking about this on the boat today and, you know, we're with, I guess I'm with three other anglers, two of whom are, are, you know, pretty great guides in my opinion, Clay and Gus and Nick, who I don't know if he's ever guided, but he could guide. I mean, he, you know, fishes more than most people I know. And he's a, he's a great angler. So, you know, we're with four, you know, four guys that really were putting the pedal down and, and fishing hard today. We went to the same lake Gus and I went to on Saturday, uh, because we did feel like we, you know, we're moving some good fish and, and seeing things, things we liked. But on Saturday, it felt like the only thing those fish wanted to eat were blades and blades that were moving fast and big blades. 
And that's a pretty, you know, niche bite, right? When that's, when, when that's happening, it feels like that's the only thing that can happen. Sorry. Our cat is going crazy right now. It's hilarious climbing up. But when that's happening, it feels like that's the only thing they want, you know, big blades fast. Now we go to this lake today, Sunday, and we had four people fishing. So obviously our, our kind of strategy was okay they were eating big blades yesterday but we don't want to just run four you know double tens or four staggers you know so somebody's got to throw something a little bit different so i threw on on uh, a regular medusa and was snapping that around and i stuck with big rubber the rest of the day and not because i was you know doing anything special but the fish today only wanted big rubber all they wanted I threw a Meg dog. I threw a, a regular Medusa. That was 98% of our action came on those two baits out of all four of us fishing vast weed beds. So Max, let me ask you this real quick. So for sure. like people who, who are listening, who might just go out by themselves, they got one guy on the boat, you know, it's just them. How can they more quickly develop a pattern? Right. Cause like last weekend, I mean, we had five guys, uh, you guys had four out there today. You can have two people throwing blades, two people throwing rubber and kind of more quickly develop a pattern. But if you just have one guy out there, you know, I guess I, in peak summer, I would say start with blades and give it a couple hours and maybe get a follow and you'll kind of get the hint. But I mean, what would you say? Well, I, I think that's the question. I, I almost just want to ask Gus on what he feels that timing is. I mean, you know, I, and, and truth be told, I was honestly going <laughs> to probably ask you as our resident bait switcher, pattern finder, <laughs> a guy that changes baits every single 17 minutes, even after he has a follow, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I don't know that. I don't know that answer. Yeah. I, I don't know that there's necessarily a right answer. Um, I mean, again, it's most fishing. A lot of it comes down to luck, right base, right time, right place. But, um, I, I I seem to just go with my gut and if I've been fishing for an hour or whatever and I haven't seen a fish on blades or on a straight retrieve or I have seen a fish and it's super lethargic coming in way behind the bait slow maybe it gets 20 feet from the boat and turns around that's probably my hint to switch to something pull pause whether it's a diving rise suic or pulling snapping rubber um but yeah, I mean, if you don't get a follow, it's, it's kind of hard to judge. And then you just, that's, that's, if we don't have a follow for a while, that's when I start firing through baits and I'm going blades, crank, rubber, top water, get the kitchen sink <laughs> out and throw it, show it to them. Well, here's something interesting about today. So I was throwing that regular, regular, it was a regular shallow Medusa. And so the hang on it was pretty crazy. I mean, we were fishing, you know, sub 10 feet that like 10 to seven foot kind of edge and you know most mostly like i was saying weed weedish bays um and the 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 shallow medusa had so much hang on it that i almost felt like it was moving too slow i was getting fish to move but i wasn't converting it into any sort of bites i mean i had a fish attempt to eat early on in the day and then it came into the eight it followed around i think five times and it just felt like the bait was almost too slow. It was continually losing interest. The slower I went, I tried to speed it up. It would fire up and then, you know, kind of just kind of, you know, whatever. So, uh, I switched to a mag dog, um, and was 
I mean, working the absolute ever living shit out of this bait through the weeds, um, just popping it like as fast as I possibly could. And that's when I got the the bites today Two the two big bites, the one, the first one that almost literally took me over the boat. I mean, I'm sure we'll watch that film back later, but it moved my feet. I, I felt from the back. I felt the boat shake. I mean, usually you feel when somebody sets the hook up front and I look that one, it was like, yeah, he went opt up and right back down. I mean, shook the boat. And then that second one too. I mean, that was working that mag dog. So it was almost like, okay, we found out that they wanted to eat big rubber, but it wasn't just big rubber. It was how I was working it in order to convert the, we finally found what bait they wanted, but in order to convert it into bites needed to work it a certain way. And that was a very exhausting way to work the bait. I mean, I am dead right now. Like literally my shoulder is going to fall off, but that seemed to be the only way to trigger strikes. I mean, Gus and clay and Nick for that matter. I mean, most of them were throwing bucktails a lot of the day they started to switch to rubber, you know, later on. And we, we didn't want to run for rub, you know, for rubber baits either. We kept thinking that a bucktail bite was going to happen, which it never did, but it was, it was truly, you know, the, the only way to get something to eat was like working it as aggressively as possible. Um, but I think the the overall greater question here is, you know, if a pattern was working for you, you know, say you have a two day trip on a weekend, Saturday, Sunday, if a pattern was working for you, Gus on Saturday, really well, you guys caught fish, you're moving fish. You go out, you I, go to the same lake or even maybe a different lake on Sunday. And you start with that same process, you know, say they were eating blades on Saturday and you fish for the first, however long, you know, how long are you giving that with blades the next day until you decide to switch? Is it, is it a moon phase that you have to go through? Is it a bite window? You know, say, say you have, you know, say you have a, a two to three person boat that day. So blades hot the day before you said, yeah. um, all right, well, I guess that's a good example of literally yesterday and today. 100%, you know, if blades are hot this, the day before, probably going to stick with somebody having blades for sure. Probably the same blades that had the action the day before. The other thing that I would look at, though, before uh, going any further is if the weather changed in just that one day. Because if it's the same as the day before, 100% stick to the same blade, same speed. But Something that I saw that happened between Saturday and Sunday, which the the highs were actually very similar, but Saturday there was a you know shit ton of storms that rolled through, uh, kind of dropped the overnight temps, and then Sunday became still warm, but it was windy, more windy, uh, switched to the north and brought fewer clouds, so it was sunnier, and I feel like that was like a slight post frontal but not a cold front. So that must've shut the blades off like none other. I mean, enough to make us really confused on why we didn't even move a single fish on blades. And we fished for a while and, and we always had two pretty much were rolling with two blades out like the entire time until the very end when we realized like, Oh, they only want big rubber. You know how long, that's that's kind of a question that has been answered differently by everyone after listening to, you know, some of the greats out there and other podcasts, you know, talking to some people personally on how long they stick with the, you know, baits the next day that were hot the day before. 
I mean, some things just boil down to what you're confident in. I mean, sometimes that's really all it ever boils down to, but it's hard to be confident in a bucktail today. Even if I was using, say, only the two bucktails that I have the most confidence in, and I go seven hours without moving a fish, because if I was fishing solo today, and I was like, oh, they're hot on bucktails, they were yesterday, I wouldn't have seen a single fish. Whereas if not for, you know, Max and snapping rubber or somebody choosing to snap rubber or something different, we would have never realized that like, that's what they wanted. And I would say, let's just say you go out, go out in the morning and you have a moon window right away. Say it's a major two hour period. Probably fish are going to bite. It's somewhat close to sunrise. You stick with what was happening yesterday and you go back to that same area and you drift it at one depth and then say another depth right there and you don't move a single fish. That's, that's an easy indicator on using different baits because usually from that day before, especially now in summer, I haven't really seen or experienced any great migrations of fish to different areas. Um, we are pretty much just finding them loaded in the weeds on the uh the lakes that i've been fishing and actually what has been kind of happening is i've been doing a lot of exploring this year and it's kind of honed in more we're doing a little less exploring but the lakes that we are going to just kind of fishing the crap out of them in the spots where we know there's a lot of fish and from fishing those areas it's really evident on the days when you have the right bait because you could just go in one 200 yard stretch and move six fish and then you can go down that same stretch the next day you know they're still there and move zero and sometimes you can see the bait move around but sometimes you see that the bait's still there and that's when you just have to switch it up um like max said you're moving rubber you're moving fish on rubber if they're lazy it pretty much just boils down to you might not be working it fast enough um and with that being said you still have to give the fish time to eat it so quick snaps followed by a single pause and then more quick snaps is usually a good key to get those fish to eat and you know find a spot in the cast to eat uh, i'm trying to think what else i could add for bait switch or patterning from the day before uh it it's really it really has been key i mean like i said we've been finding so many fish in the weeds and and these spots are they're going hot and cold but it still feels like the fish are always there and there was one day where i mean i know that fish were caught on blades and everything like that but we couldn't get them to stay off a suic and a navin like they were only eating diving rice for us and we were moving you know loads of fish and i don't know if we snapped rubber or put a glide bait on or something or ran bucktails over if we even saw those fish. So it's good to switch it up. If you're running solo, I suggest running spots twice and doing two different presentations. But uh, those are my two cents on, you know, when to switch and all that. It just feels like this year, you know, the person that has that hot bait on, it, it just feels like that they're having so much more success in the same boat as anyone else, no matter where they're at position wise in the boat. I mean, last weekend, Brian, you know, we're like we said, we fished action water on Sunday morning and I was fishing in front of you with a bait that I have fished that body of water with 
countless times didn't move a single fish you were right behind me you threw on uh what does that bake us enticer uh like grub spinner and you know you couldn't keep it off you, you couldn't keep fish off that bait i mean it was just crazy i was literally landing my bucktail reeling it in and you'd cast in the exact same spot and fish would come in or hit so it just feels like right now more than ever that bait selection and finding the right pattern is is more important you know than than anything and that bait you're talking about that moved and and caught some fish all that sunday uh, i went out and used it that monday and tuesday and between two days only had one follow and you know that doesn't even come close to what happened in two hours with that bait that's that one day yeah that's the most annoying part you know switching baits is important but you know I don't even know where I was going with it, that. It, it's just, it's it's so annoying it's because it's, it's just important. It's, you know, you gotta not rifle through, but you do have to figure out what they're gonna be eating every day. I mean, especially especially if the weather changes. You know, if it's the same as before, the day before, you're probably good or should feel confident about what you had luck on the day before. So I, I guess I, to tie a I, bow on this conversation or this topic would be. <clears throat> If you feel confident in where the fish are, <clears throat> you got that, you know, checkpoint kind of taken care of. Don't get discouraged if you're not moving fish because it might be as simple as just bait selection. I mean, it could be timing, it, but it, you know, a lot of it too, I think comes down to bait selection this year, uh, which I think actually is a great segue into our next uh, you- segment here. Um, and I'm just going to get, I'm going to dip a little bit early into our Q and a Brian. So, um, this one just kind of brings up the whole topic of timing. So when we were fishing with clay today. He brought up a few very interesting points about moon, uh, phases that I'm going to touch on, but his, uh, question is, and it's a, it's a big question. So I think we can kind of just choose and pick it apart a little bit on things we feel comfortable talking about, but he just asked. What are your favorite moon phases? <clears throat> Have you caught your PBs during certain moon phases? Why do you prefer certain moon phases? Example, moon up, moon down, rise, set, first quarter, last quarter, full new. Which would you go to target a giant or would you go, you know, during any of them, whichever comes first. So I think essentially what he's asking is, do you have a favorite moon phase? Um, have you had success in the past with certain moon phases? Something like that. You know, that is all kind of hard to put in few words. I know there's some people that have been fishing all their life and they're just, they catch muskies this day, that day, or they're like, I just catch them all year. Or some people are like, I can only catch them in new moon. I can only catch them in full moon. You know, little things like that, that, you know, that some of it could be opinionated, you know, just you know, listen in with an open mind, but I, I guess for me, definitely going around new and full moons seem to get some pretty crazy bites and would probably be my number one time choices to go after a big fish. But I have personally been on full moon and even new moon times where it's leading up to it and the weather absolutely sucks. And it is, in my opinion, probably not a good time to go after the biggest, biggest, you know, really big fish. Cause I mean, I've been, 
I remember last August, it was uh, early August, full moon. And I was out on a guide trip and I thought the bite was going to be pretty good. And because it's the day of the full moon, uh, the weather was actually very bad. There was a northeast wind. It was frontal and just really crappy. A lot of sun, not many clouds. And we didn't see a single thing until sunset. And I was on a big fish waypoint. And I think with the full moon, it's the moonrise right at sunset, you know, coinciding. Like, I'm going to go to the big fish spot. I got this big fish waypoint. We saw like a four footer there this year uh, or last year. Sorry, uh, did not get to lay hooks into that one and ended up catching like a 32, 33 on the minute of the major or minute of the minor. And that was it. Tightest bite window ever. <laughs> you know, I I knew I was I've been fishing that lake a bunch. I knew where they all were. We're rifling through baits like we were just talking and and using some of the really big time confidence ones. And that's tough. I mean, weather trumps moon. So for the question of going back on big fish, man, if you got new moon or full moon and just like the juiciest weather in the middle of summer when the temps aren't too hot, which has kind of been what's going on right now and why we had some really good success on new moon last week is that's when to go on big fish and if you're not on big fish or you don't get to fish very often just go to big fish water you know that's where you're going to get your best opportunities and you're going to be on big fish water and basically have it seem like you're on action water you know that's just where you're going to get your best opportunities and i know today we had a little discussion with clayton and nick max and i on moon up and moon down kind of referring to when the moon is overhead or after it rises as opposed to when it sets and when it is underfoot and Clayton has found and he has fished up here a lot longer than all of us and he kind of has the idea that once the moon is up the bite not might not be as good which is why a lot of people like to night fish on new moon because the moon is down You know, it sets at sunset and it's underfoot in the middle of the night. So a lot of people have really good success during that major in the middle of the night. And he was kind of saying how when the moon rises, he likes the minor, you know, time leading up to it. And once it's up in the air, uh, you know, above us and all that stuff, it's tougher, you know, maybe tighter bite windows. And that's kind of what we saw today. It was a combination of moon up frontal and there was a, period today where we were fishing i mean i don't want to say this with too confidence too much confidence but we were on top of fish i mean we've already been fishing this lake we've been moving fish in these areas we're fishing over waypoints and we weren't seeing a thing when there was nothing going on environmentally there was no moon going on so oh man i don't even know where i'm going with this i'm just rambling but i well i guess actually what i'd like to almost here maybe if you guys want to message either myself or our instagram page muskies on tap is you know when do you find some of your most success underfoot or overhead you know when the moon's up or the moon down you know if you have any opinion on that we'd actually really like to hear that because that's just been a really interesting topic yeah i think to go off of what clayton was saying that that was kind of mind-blowing for me is you know when when the moon is rising during that minor um, you know, typically we'll fish on the first half out. We, we kind of, you know, quantify that 
that minor as the half hour prior to moon going up and the half hour moon, you know, is already up. So, you know, say moonrise is at 10 a.m. or whatever. We kind of quantify that minor as 9.30 to 10.30 and peak is 10 a.m. You know, today he goes, well, no, I mean, it's an hour before and a few minutes after. And I was like, interesting. So it's not 30 and 30. It's almost like you're trying to fish hard that hour prior to moon coming up. And then once it comes up, he, you know, feels that that bite, like Gus said, gets either more difficult or, or those windows get tighter. And I just found that very interesting as, you know, we kind of just go off of the Solunar tables um, app or whatever. If you guys don't have that, it's it's worth checking out to know when those moon times are. The website. Yeah, website. Sorry. Yeah, Solunar Forecast, I think it's called. But um, that was kind of one of those interesting things where I'm like, okay, that's a whole new way of looking at those minor periods where instead of focusing on, you know, that say call it again 10 a.m is when moon rises instead of saying well that's peak no that's actually you know closer to the end and you want to get back on those good spots an hour before instead of just a half hour before all right so uh brian as uh as you know a lot of people know you by i mean you're you're quite the astronomer yourself so you know what what do you feel uh as far as the moon windows and and uh that all that all goes uh now i'm a big fan of new moon uh as i caught that nice fish last weekend i don't know if you guys saw it go check out the instagram but um (laughs) no i i I mean i (laughs) shameless plug i uh i don't know if i have quite enough experience to develop a pattern over favorites of full moon new moon i think we had like a rough go to full moon last year if i remember but you know then again who knows what the main factor was of that weekend but I don't know. Definitely not someone to go off, you know, years of experience on different types of moons. But I mean, this year, obviously, major periods have dominated. Um, I think we've had a ton of eats right around peak major. Um, so, yeah, I mean, hammering those times. Miners have been like fairly underwhelming this year. I think like a couple of years ago, miners, you know, kind of competed with majors. We seem to always get action during them. But uh, this year has been very major driven. Yeah, I think I agree with that, and that is definitely always important on a day-to-day basis. On I don't know if anybody follows or who does follow um, Jeff Van Remortal, and he's big on incoming wind in the morning, and we have definitely seen some pretty sweet bites and good good eats happening in that like late morning time if there's a minor or specifically major that happens when there's a wind pickup or even a wind shift, you know, the environmental changes are really important. And that's, that's something to key in on, on how you get your bites outside of moon windows, because if there's no moon and there's no, nothing environmentally changing, that's when it's tough. And that's when I would say you have to kind of just realize that it's tough, you know, don't get down bad. Like, Oh, I just went through my best spot, best bait. Didn't see a fish but it's high bright sun the wind hasn't even changed a bit and there's no moon you know you just can't be too hard on yourself um i think we've touched on moon quite a bit there you know i hope we got through some of the questions that clayton had for us i know he kind of gave us a doozy there but i think we had a good 
little segment there on Moon. So I think we're going to transition here to a couple Q&A questions to close out today's podcast. Okay. Well, this uh, segment of Q&A, um, real quick before we dive into it, I just want to say I've been thoroughly enjoying all those that have reached out on the Muskies on Tap Instagram thing, uh, even just to you know comment and whatever on stories and, and chat. Always happy to do that. Uh, I, I think we got some sickos following us because the, the few stories today of losing fish got a lot of comments of people either saying, yeah, same. It's just been one of those years and stuff like that. So I, I don't know if, if fish have been eating a little bit weird this year or what, but it's kind of cool to, to, uh, share the, share the pain with some people. You know, I think this episode started out as a nice little therapy session for all of us. So um yeah hopefully hopefully is a little bit uh relatable uh to some people that are listening but yeah let's dive into this q a so first question from ben will my eyes ever be graced with any youtube content from muskies on tap slash sucks fishing mm. ben that is a fantastic question unfortunately i'm not able to answer that but i will say there is a lot of great content in the hopper gus i'm gonna turn this one over to you Will there ever be any YouTube content for muskies on tap slash sugs fishing? I'm excited for this one. Good question, Ben. Well, that's been in the works for quite some time here. Um, <laughs> I've been kind of working on my team here. They've been, you know, <laughs> trying to just get the footage. Um, I've been talking with them every single day and they just can't seem to get anything going um yeah Ben, i am a really bad editor i need to learn and probably take some classes busy in the summer i had the idea of putting out youtube videos this summer and then summer hit fishing hit and i'm like i barely have had time to upload footage so i am going to say that i'm going to really strive and try really hard this winter to put out content it the absolute bare minimum is put out a bunch of youtube or not you like maybe youtube shorts you know if i make a page but just like the shorts on cool eats um catches on instagram and facebook you know that's definitely the goal and i i want the i want the people out there to you know kind of see some of the catches you know you know we don't want to make them like a super long thing or anything and get mega educational i mean that's kind of what we're doing here on the podcast is trying to bring a little education here and there for sure for the listeners you know you don't want to just hear a bunch of idiots riff about nothing you know we got to at least have some driving points here and there but you know the videos we've been doing for fun we've been dabbling with potentially doing like actual youtube videos and that's just been kind of tough. There's there's a few of those people out there that do it and they do it really well and we always enjoy watching them. But I think one thing for sure that people don't see behind the scenes and I know some of them kind of talk about it and really the people that are really good at it don't talk about it at all, which is, you know, props to them is just the amount of time and effort that they put into it. And there's probably some people out there that, don't appreciate them. Cause I mean, I really appreciate like what those people do and putting those YouTube videos out on, on musky fishing. Cause I mean, you think about it, they put out a video that might be 10 minutes long and you're like, well, that's the total of them fishing for a day and a half. 
just for a 10 minute video or something like that. You know, that's when it gets really tough, but that's a whole nother rabbit hole on like, you know, 10 minute video or maybe a five minute video. You see them catch a fish. They talk about it. Video's done. It's like, well, did you see the part about maybe them getting two follows in eight hours? You know, just like the hard parts of musky fishing. So really just filming musky is difficult, but there is a good media of fish catches that we have in the vault. And I would like to share that with the public. Um, YouTube, it, it definitely could be a thing, but I just, I don't want to make too many promises, but I definitely want to get some more footage out to you guys starting in the fall when things slow down, but winter for sure. Well, you know, muskies on tap, Instagram stories will always be bringing that fire, but I hope to, uh, <laughs> I hope to, uh, do a little bit better by you guys than just taking videos of the laptop, uh, recordings. You know, we've been kind of dabbling with that and it's always fun just like that night to be like, yeah, you know, okay, we caught a fish. Here's kind of how it went down. I mean, I just had one this weekend of a really cool eight, uh, eight or eight, eat, eat that I had in the eight. And, uh, that was on Friday night. So that, that was fun, but yeah, we'll, we'll be trying to continue to keep those up on weekends. We're fishing, but yeah, looking forward to Gus editing some of those clips. We got a lot of, a lot of fun content and ideally like one day it'd be really fun to actually get good at it and, and make, you know, 10, 15 minute, 20 minute videos of like these big weekends we do, because I feel like we could fill up some, some good content. I think it would be enjoyable to watch, but I don't know, you know? Who knows? Um, okay, second question from our guy Owen with Big O's Bucktails. Owen, uh, shout out him from the Musky Hunks. That's our guy. Shout um, out Owen, our boy. Go check out. That go boy. check out Big O's Bucktails. He makes some awesome stuff. Um, we've been in cahoots. Sounds like he's gonna send ship some over. Ship some over here to Wisconsin. So I'm excited to see how those Wisconsin fish react to some Big O's. I, I need a Big O hoodie. We need to get the hoodie plug from him. I know, I know. Yeah, that'd be sick. Yeah, we were we were already plugging Tom's uh, saddle tramp merch, which is like top tier. And I, I need to get my hands on some stuff. Gus already has a shirt, but um, yeah, I need to I need to get one of those. Speaking of merch, we we do got uh some stuff in the works for Muskies on Tap. So stay tuned, stay tuned for that. But yeah, just like the just like the YouTube videos, it's in the works, in the works. Yeah, we're <laughs> the fact that we've even started this podcast and have now been on episode what thirteen is a goddamn win in itself. Yeah, we're gonna try to do some merch. I, you know, we would like to make some sweatshirts or some shirts or whatever. So if you guys want one. Just know that they are coming and reach out and be like, hey, yeah, I would love a T-shirt or love a sweatshirt or something like that. And we'll try to get something done up because we we're looking honestly for a little. Well, I should say this. We're looking for a nudge, but we've tasked Brian with head of merchandise for Muskies on Tap. Things have been moving a little bit slowly. He's not hitting the deadlines, but we were close, think, guys. We had the prototypes drawn yeah, up. Prototypes we about to be released. <laughs> I think, I think things are going to happen. Big things are happening soon. Um, got all the confidence in the world and Brian to, to, to accomplish this task. There's uh, going to be okay. no price on these. You guys come into our muskies on tab comments, <laughs> name your price. We'll tell you if you're paying high enough for it or not. <laughs> oh, all right. Uh, all right. His question from, from uh, own night fishing color selection, black, orange, or, it doesn't matter. It's dark, you dumbass. 
Brian, thoughts? Doesn't matter. It's you- dark, you dumbass. You're throwing top anyway. <laughs> That'd be my quick answer. <laughs> it's facts. I uh, I I was. We were just talking about this with top water. Like, I don't think top water color matters. I think as long as it's like a dark base color, like a blue, brown, black, green, purple, it's all kind of the same at night. Um, but yeah, underwater at night, I tend to think that it's more based off of the sound and the vibrations your bait's putting out, which is why, you know, blades or uh, like double tens, like everybody kind of starts to think of some loud, obnoxious blades under there to call the fish in. And that's, kind of more what i care about rather than color at night but yeah i don't know i guess for some reason i tend to think darker at night and i usually like flashy baits so that's just my two cents there gus you got any science beyond the methods you know i was literally just going to talk about sound for underneath the water i'm gonna say that's gotta trump color for sure um I was going to say dumb theory about top water that maybe like white top waters weren't selling well. So some people out there were like, yeah, white works too. I don't know. <laughs> that could be a thing. Probably not, but probably is. Um, I don't know about color. I mean, we did have some luck on darker top water and darker blades at night, but that probably amounted to the fact that that's all we threw. I don't think anyone threw anything white or chartreuse or anything like that. Um, I guess there's actually two things that I was going to add about night fishing and the little bit I actually dabbled in last year uh, for Max and I too, really, we got some hits, um, unsuccessful. One was an absolute heartbreak. I don't know if I can get into it again just because of how bad it was, but dive and rise was actually quite good at night and something that if you're working three people and you got one top water, one blade, probably good to throw that change up in the back and another thing that i do want to kind of get into which i heard about is some jointed crankbaits making a little noise you know just like we're talking about with bucktails you know you get a double 10 you get a trigger you get some offset blade combo like any of the frenzies or just anybody that makes something where it's not double this you know it's a seven nine eight nine ten nine ten eleven i don't even know if they make elevens but you know what I mean there, but getting like a jointed crankbait out there, I feel like that I, when I've heard about that, I feel like that could be quite deadly. So that's something, uh, I know Owen's question was about color and I think I agree with Brian. It's dark, you dumbass. So any color works. <laughs> I don't know if you got anything else to add there, Max. I, I listened to a podcast. I think it was Backlash with Pete Mana. He was talking about it. He was Shout saying how Pete. typically... What's up? Shout out, Pete. Yeah, shout out. <laughs> um, I think, you know, typically the the common um, feeling towards color at night is darker, the better. Um, not, I guess... I just do that during the day, too. Yeah, you know, during... Yeah. I'm a big I'm a big fan of darker colors just in general, but I think, yeah, during the night. But he was also saying, he's like, you know... Yeah, I had clients that would catch fish on chartreuse bucktails at night, and it's like, you're not supposed to do that. So I, I do think that it's more based on sound and presentation than actual, I guess, presentation is color. But it, it's more based on that that sound, that vibration, you know, what that bait's doing, the action, not as much so based on color. Um, all right, let's I, uh, dive I, in. Uh, 
Oh, you want to go ahead? Yeah. Well, I just I just yeah, want to say yeah. how it's still musky fishing and it's super weird because uh, I've been with Gus on numerous occasions when we fish kind of last light, like it's almost pitch black out and he's gotten pounded on a suic, which is pretty damn silent. You know, it's it pushes a, a quarter of the water as a blade. Just the um, clacking of the hooks, really. Yeah, yeah. So it's all a big mystery. Throw what you're confident. But yeah, like they were saying, air on the side of sound, bring them in with the vibrations. But uh, sorry to cut you off, Max. Max, go ahead and introduce our next questionnaire here. Okay, our next question comes from our guy, Wyatt. Wyatt asks, you guys talk a lot about using red October tubes. Shout out red October tubes. Is there a preference on using those over other types of rubber like a Medusa or a Bulldog? Or is there a time and place to tossing one over the other? That's a great question. And I think pretty spot on to today. That is very true because when Max is getting the action on the silent rubber, which I would categorize with um, like a toad, a bulldog, a Medusa, I think like a Lake X B2, you know, all those that don't involve, you know, I say that because I typically add trailer blades to my tubes, um, but something that kind of falls silently and just pushes the water um, with the tubes uh, today. Max is getting a lot of action on the Bulldogs and Medusas. I actually popped a tube quite a bit today and I didn't visually see anything. And I think one time I had a late follow on side image that I never got to visually see. They were snapping on rubber today. That was evident. Nothing on blades. We found that out after just somebody, one to two people throwing blades the whole day. And even a tube didn't work. I mean, there was a point where tubes, they would hit that thing in the first five snaps and that is what they were hitting uh that seemed to be earlier in the year that was actually working really well in june for getting some of our bigger bites during june when it was even hard to uh uh, you know entice them to eat but i i am still going to use tubes throughout the summer but i have a feeling they're going to make a comeback in late august during a little bit of cool downs times when lakes bloom up a little bit going into September as well, where when you're working them really shallow, you have the trailer blades or some sort of blade attachment to help them find the bait and pop them over very shallow cover. And that's when kind of saw them shine last year. Uh, That would be kind of more like a time of year thing. Not saying that they will not work here in the middle of summer. Um, Was able to pop a tube fish last week and miss a few actually this past week along with many of the heartbreaks a lot of the heartbreaks kind of were on rubber which is unfortunate you know one on blades but a lot on rubber well i guess i I think this actually opens up a whole other bag here <laughs> as i typically do on q a but what do you what do you guys think is like different between you know throwing a tube and throwing a medusa or throwing a tube and throwing a bulldog so, i mean i don't know if there's an exact science behind it but i'd be curious to hear your thoughts I think generally if you're throwing the tube without any sort of blade uh, customization going on with it, just a tube in its raw form and a bulldog, I would venture to say that the tube is a lot more erratic. You're kind of getting more of like the side-to-side glide baity action. 
I would, I would say maybe for hotter fish and fish that want something a little bit quicker, maybe. Um, and then a lot of your bulldogs can also be erratic depending, you know, every bulldog's made different. Sometimes you get one that bounces side to side. Sometimes they're just up and down. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, I think the bulldog, you can tend to keep a little bit shallower or, you know, pop it over the weeds a little bit easier. The tubes without a blade can dive super quick. So, I mean, you'd have to be a freak athlete to be ripping that consecutive cast over shallow weeds, but I don't know. I've always liked the bulldog. Just, I've just, I'm used to using it. Um, I have not used the tubes as much as you, as you guys have had. So you guys can speak more on that, but um, yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with that, with the old bulldog, the action wise. And uh, one thing I would add for Medusa's, which I do really like, and I know so many people really, really like, is that I got a tough time with the larger Medusa's because I absolutely love mid Medusa's. And that's because they almost work like you can work a bulldog in a tube. And I feel like that's just why we like throwing typically bulldogs and tubes more often is because they get some pretty crazy erratic side to side. I mean, if you get a standard hardness bulldog, you can bend that nose down, hop that thing along. And if you get that thing tuned right, that thing will walk left, walk right, go up, down, left, right. And then, you know, same with tubes. You'll watch them walk back and forth. And with mid Medusas, you can get those things uh, you can get those things bent right and you can get them to walk side to side. And I think that's key. You know, I've tried, I have personally not caught a fish on a Husky Dusa. Granted, I don't use that size of Medusas very often. And I feel like I'm just not getting the action that I want out of the bait. I know there's some people that work it, work the, you know, ever living crap out of them and, you know, God bless them. But I just, you know, the triple tail there, unless you got them things boiling in water and really soft and, and, you know, going well on the fall, I don't think those things, you know, move around very much, you know, not as much as like a mag dog. I was just going to agree with you that the Husky oh. Medusa is just like pulling in a two by four. I, I used it last year one day when it was kind of a big rubber bite and we were trying to let them sink down like at a deeper 18, 20 foot water um but like pulling it back i mean it just comes back straight like a submarine i mean you can try and hop it but it really doesn't hop or move side to side or anything and those tails are so long and heavy and wide um i mean there's no doubt it pushes water and i could see something eating it but like it just made me want to switch back to something that's a easier on the back and shoulders and that actually kind of hops around and moves throughout the water columns a little easier but yeah i don't know if there's any way you could even you know, mess with the harness or tune it to hop. I mean, you need like, feels like you need a 10 foot XXX heavy rod to get it to bounce it all. Yeah, pro probably. I know there's, I know there's one thing that I found on the internet or just through people's videos and stuff like that. I didn't obviously invent this, but if you haven't boiled your rubber to get them to fall, little bit better and get the tails to flutter a little bit more i'd highly recommend um the only thing that i did wrong the first time i did it is just don't boil it too long um i would always just just err on the side of not putting it in there for very long you know try a couple seconds take it out cool it off and then just kind of stretch it and just see how it feels 
if it got softer, I mean, you got the goal is had, you got that. And that's just something that I know people have kind of done with their Medusas because they actually just come so stiff. Like you're saying, pulling in a two by four, what does a two by four probably do in the water? It doesn't really move around very much. It just goes in a straight line and that's not what you want out of your baits. I mean, when I say that I, I like Suix and I get a lot of bites on Suix, it's it's from the Suix that walk. I mean, I don't see very many times a fish hitting a Suix where it's just going down, up, down, up. I mean, that thing's darting left, darting right, popping up, you know, blowing out of the water. Like, who cares? Like, if it's Suix in the water, it's it's doing its job already. So maybe boiling your rubber or maybe I need to boil the Husky Deuces more. Maybe I just didn't do those enough and maybe we can get some walk out of them. I don't know. I'm just kind of thinking out loud on that one for myself, just because it might be something we need to do because we are getting some big bites on big rubber and there's a chance we might need to go bigger. I I think, I think you, you try and boil that Husky Medusa, but Hey, if that doesn't work and that thing's still just coming in like a plank of wood, I think we cut that top middle tail off and try and make a little cussy double dog out of it. (laughs) (laughs) Now you're thinking our friends in, uh, over in Hayward and Minnesota are probably shaking their heads right now. Listen to this. (laughs) I know that they throw a lot of Husky Medusas and it works out pretty damn well for them, but yeah, we're we're sitting over here in Vilas County, and uh, you know, baits run a little bit smaller over here. I think, um, just in general, and you know, who we talking probably on this podcast? Not only our friends in maybe Hayward, but definitely Minnesota, shaking their heads about you know we're talking about big fish, and we're freaking out about forty fives, and um, you know, things are a little bit different here. You know, forty five, forty six inch fish here is it's a big deal. You know, it, it really is. And I, I think anyone that listens to this and this neck of the woods would, would probably agree with that. Uh, I, I'd, I'd hope so, unless they're doing something and I'd like to talk to them. Uh, <laughs> they're consistently catching fish that big. Um, but yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's just a little bit different of a ball game. So that, that I will say that I want to make sure it's clear that this is very tailored towards kind of this area of Northern Wisconsin and Vilas County just because I, I do, you know, I've seen the videos, I've listened to other podcasts and uh, those big baits work. I, I would like to throw that Husky do some more. Cause I do feel like, especially after today, getting some confidence, throwing that bigger, you know, for us, regular size Medusa and seeing those fish move, I, I could see where, you know, you would be able to get some bigger bites and some bigger fish to move on that Husky sides do but all right. Well, um, you know, great Q and a there fellas, as usual, we kind of gone off on a few different tangents. So hope everyone found this, uh, podcast, um, you know, good. It was a little bit of riff off the cuff, you know, we didn't have any guests or exciting trips to kind of debrief on. So it was a little bit more technical this week. So hopefully you picked up at least one or two tricks. Um, uh, Brian, I know you got to wake up early. Uh, probably get in the surgery room and save some people's shoulders tomorrow morning. Um, you got anything to to end the pod with? Uh, when are we gonna see you next? What's your What's your next move gonna be? Are you gonna stick around in Green Bay? Are you moving to Appleton? What's the deal? Uh, yeah, life update. I'll be in Green Bay for another month, and then I'm heading most likely uh, if we get this place we were looking at uh, down towards the Kakana area. 
Um, I've heard uh, from a little birdie that there's a little spot in Kakana there on the Fox River uh, loaded with muskies. So if we do move there, I'm going to be shore fishing a little bit more, uh, taking some tips out of our buddy Parker's playbook and uh, trying my luck that way. But um, yeah, I'll be I'll be with Gus next weekend. We'll be taking the weekend off of fishing, probably his first weekend without fishing since the ice was on the lakes. But uh, yeah, we'll be slugging back a few uh bushes and and uh chopping up with the fellas for the weekend and uh probably much needed break from fishing for gus yeah you guys are really going to be leaning into the uh on tap portion of the podcast not much <laughs> more more taps next week's pod will be strictly about beer guys no fishing <laughs> what are the five top five craziest nights you've had <laughs> <laughs> How hard have you partied? <laughs> All right, Gus, uh, what do you got uh, on the agenda this week before you do take the weekend off? This week, I have a couple of guy trips that I'm really looking forward to. Uh, this is actually some repeat clients from last year, and we had a blast last year, and I'm really looking forward to it again this year. Uh, Max is joining in for Monday Night Muskie League. He is going to be subbing for our father, and we are really looking forward to that. Uh, we had some really good luck last year that hopefully we can repeat like we did. And then I also have Tuesday Night League with a good buddy, Clayton Spies. Uh Hopefully we can keep the ball rolling. Uh, Monday night, we're, we've been struggling. You know, I had that very good opener for myself. And then the team has gotten a few. And then it's just been quite slow for us. We've been hit with some pretty tough weather. There hasn't been a whole mess of fish caught yet on some of the nights. You know, some of the nights, if they come in with a whole pile of fish and you didn't, you know, that's when you feel really terrible. But really recently, it's been tough bites. But Tuesday Night League, Clayton and I are doing pretty well. Uh, our team is sitting at the top place right now. Um, I don't even think we touched on it, but Clayton and I actually last week had a five-fish night. Um totaled for a seven fish day which that was an absolute banger uh we had four registerable fish uh clayton caught three two that were registered and i caught two myself and then clayton also missed another so we had a lot of opportunities in about four and a half hours and that was that day i was talking about where it felt like you could probably get them on some other things but man we could only get them going on navins and suix dive and rise was the ticket but anyways those are the things i'm looking forward to brian talked about yeah i'm going to be seeing him this weekend we're going to be having a little fun taking some time off musky fishing so hopefully we can have something to talk about next week <laughs> i know this week i i really hope you guys enjoyed some of the fundamentals you know honestly i enjoyed it a lot myself looking back because Man, I mean, I it's it's good to do that because I didn't want to just sit here with all these heartbreaks. I don't think any of us did. You know, at least you got to learn from them, and I think that's really important. And I hope everybody else learned from our heartbreaks. And next week we'll have something up for you guys, a little more than just on tap. We'll have some musky talk for sure. You know, I'm gonna quick look at the weather ahead for you guys. This is gonna be this isn't exactly like a super early recording, but you know, this is a little bit before it's coming out this Thursday. And 
honestly, the water temps have been hovering at that 70 to 72. I mean, there's a few lakes that are under that I've heard, and there's a few lakes that are hitting 73. But honestly, I've been sticking to a little bit more of the medium to large water lately, and that's where we've been really getting our big bites. And I could see that still happening because we were getting some hot, hot weather. And some of those small lakes have a chance of getting too hot. So just please be conscious of your water temps. I'm not going to tell people when and where and what they can fish. You know, that's a load of crap if you do that. Um, But anyways, we're going to be getting 80s, 80s, and potentially 90 uh, before the weekend. And then we're going to get some, at least the weather says, some rain and might cool off a little bit. Luckily, we have nighttime temps in the 60s and still the upper 50s. Uh, This is where I expect this rubber bite that we saw today to only get better. Um, I would assume we're going to get some pretty big wind. Oh, no, nothing terrible, but uh, I would just keep your mag dogs at hand and rip those. I mean, I'm just going to tell it to you guys straight. We've been seeing crap loads and crap loads of fish on weed edges and if you move a fish hit that spot again and hit it often because we're seeing packs of them and that's been pretty much the name of the game i mean we're not you know piss pounding a tiny area i mean we're working very 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 large areas since we're working on you know fishing some larger lakes but you just got to fish the areas often because there's always going to be more fish there and if they're holding fish and bait Oftentimes we refer to those spots as reloading spots. Fish move on off on and off that all day long, probably on the daily basis is, is what we're thinking. And I think that's come true because I mean we've moved definitely different fish that look different or move different fish after catching fish on the same spot. So just look for that. Look for the rubber bite to heat up. Water temps are gonna spike. Uh the blades are still gonna be probably active. Don't be afraid to pull out the double tens. Don't be afraid to go big. And I wish everyone the best of luck this week and really look forward to the next podcast. And quick before we send it away, I'll just do a quick plug for Instagrams. If it would be awesome if you guys could follow our Instagram page, Muskies on Tap. I also have one myself, Suggs Fishing. I'm also on Facebook. It's my personal account you know, Gus Manti and my guide service page, Sucks Fishing Guide Service. You can also reach me at my cell phone number, which is 920-264-3816. We'd love to hear from you guys. And uh, I think that's it. You got anything else to say, Max? Yeah, I'm excited to get back in the saddle for Monday Night Muskie League. Gus and I had a few really good uh, league nights last summer when I was able to stick around uh, for Mondays and fish that with him. So excited to get the competitive juices flowing again. It's been a while since Madison PMTT, so excited to kind of just get back and and do some competitive fishing. Um, It's always just a fun element that, you know, we've touched on in the past, but it's just – it's just a good time makes those fish a little bit more special. So hopefully that goes well. We'll be touching on that. I'm sure the next pod. So, uh, yeah, we'll see how that goes. And, um, yeah, you know, we got uh vermilion PMTT here and in a handful of weeks. So I think we're just starting to gear up and get excited for that. Um, other than that, I think it's going to be a, a quiet few weeks on the fishing front for me up until vermilion. So, 
uh, got a lot of really good fishing in, in the month of July, uh, really, uh, cherished all the opportunities that we had. So a lot of fun. Um, I'm sure the bite will continue to be good for Gus here and, and for the rest of you guys too, that have been, are going to be able to get out over the next few weeks. So wish everyone the best of luck again. Can't reiterate enough. Love chatting it up with you guys on the Muskie on tap page. That's a lot of fun. That's been cool to see the the followers start to accumulate on that. And uh, you know, interacting with people. So it's cool. Big, big reason why we wanted to start this is to kind of interact with the musky community as a whole. So, uh, you know, definitely going to stay true to that and, and have been enjoying it. So Brian, with all, uh, without further ado, you want to take us away and send us off into the weekend here? All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening all the way until the end. You are one of our super fans. If you got this far into the podcast, we are going to be taking a brief break this weekend, slugging back some brews, nipping some wedges out on the golf course. And going back to our other point about being sad about losing fish, guys, it's not the player, it's the equipment. Go buy a new rod, maybe a new boat, and your luck will turn around, guys. <laughs> Have a great weekend. Jeez. <laughs> Buy a new boat. Get a new rod. Buy a new boat. Cheers. <laughs>